Kia ora, I'm Jen. And I'm Sophie. Welcome to A TARDIS of One's Own. A queer feminist journey through time and space and new who. Hey, welcome to another week. <laughs> yeah. It has been a day, a capital D, and a week, capital W, and a month, capital M. <laughs> And to to just bring us back to two weeks ago, last time we recorded, and you were like strong December energy. I mean, it's got worse, not better. It has gotten worse, progressively worse. <laughs> like, we were manic today, like literally delirium. And it's not just us. I mean, <laughs> though maybe we kind of like rub off on people, but uh, yeah, just fucking hell. Mm, I don't know how we're gonna cope. We've no, I mean, a... my productivity was like literally zero today. Maybe like ten <laughs> percent. Well, there was cake, which yeah, helped. Yeah, yeah, this is true. What's been happening in your world? I mean, you've had a lot on. I know this. Yeah. But for the benefit of our listeners. And also, only as much as you wish to share. It's just been a lot. I've just felt very put upon, I guess, this week. Um, there's a lot of tasks that have fallen to me that is beyond my job description, which is fine. Like, I'm happy to pitch in and do different tasks. I quite enjoy the variety. But the issue that I have is that I have some contracting issues with my job that haven't been resolved, that have been unresolved for going on 10 months now. And it's just really frustrating when I'm the only one on my team who doesn't seem to get any progress. So I had a bit of a meltdown, a menti B this morning about it. And yeah, now I feel a bit better. But it wasn't nice because I had a little bit of an angry cry because I do cry when I'm angry. And now I feel, you know, when you've cried a bit, you feel a bit shit afterwards. So I just feel a bit like, nah. But yeah, I get the cry sweats and then I also get the post cry headache. Yeah, that's the thing. You just kind of feel exhausted by all this emotion that you felt. And impotent rage as well, because you know it's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to do anything. Yeah, and that's really fucking demoralising. Yeah. yeah. So it's just been a, oh, a day, but it's all right. I've had a lot of cake. Yeah. And now we're here to record, and I'm quite looking forward to it. How has yeah. um, your statue been? So, got a bit sick last week. Did a couple rats. Was a neg on the old COVID front. But um, still not handy. I'm just real fucking tired. And mm. I don't know how much is lingering illness or... Do I have a secret other illness that I'm dying of? <laughs> Paranoid. Um, or is it just general malaise at my, you know, like, got some great things going on in my life. Like, mm. I don't want to, but, you know, just like, meh. About just like, everything, just like, blah. Yeah. <gasps> December energy. Yeah, no, it is that, exactly. Yeah, I do, I think I do need, like, a long holiday. Need a summer holiday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, time. more than, like, because I've been having some long weekends. Yeah. Um, but it's not enough. No. What needs to happen is we should just decide to take the rest of the year off. Just be like, you know what, everyone, you've worked really hard. Just take the rest of the year. And genuinely in the public sector, I don't think they'd fire us. <laughs> like, I really, I think they'd be like, please work. And we'd be like, no. And they'd be like, oh, I mean, <laughs> what, please. And we'd be like, no. And then they'd be like, fine, okay. <laughs> Have you considered working? Well, no, they'd offer us EAP. <laughs> yeah, three sessions. Yeah. Three or fifth. have you tried yoga? No, have a minty. <laughs> Happy World Mental so Health this Day. Is, so we had a World Mental Health Awareness Week at our work, and they sent an email to be like, it's Mental Health Awareness Week. Um, come up to level blank, and um, we've got some free lollies. They were fucking minties. If you're not a New Zealander, 
Minties are like the shittest lolly that you get in like a mixed pack of lollies. And like old people can buy them separately. But it's like a solid hard cube of yeah, mint. Yeah, it's not easy to Sh- eat. No, they're rock fucking hard. So they will take your fillings with them. Which is what I said. I'm like, yeah, great. I'll come up for a minty. And then well, are you going to pay for my dental work when I invariably lose a filling? It's borderline offensive that that was the lolly that they're minty. offering. Like, give me a jet plane. At least put some favourites out. Come on. Yeah, chocolate based. Like, Jeez. like yeah. A chocolate fish. Up. Yeah, I mean, Something. even a, I mean, chocolate fish as a whole. A pineapple lump. We'll get very kiwi. <laughs> oh, did I tell you, like, when I was doing that design work for another team who I was helping out, and they kept going, like, oh, thank you for your work. We'll make sure you get a chocolate fish. We'll get you a chocolate fish. I'm like, can you just not? It's so infantilizing. I don't want a chocolate fish yeah. for helping you. Uh, okay, again, but for the benefit of the non kiwi listeners, a chocolate fish is a marshmallow in the shape of a fish. With chocolate. Covered in quite cheap Cadbury's <laughs> chocolate. It's, like, typically given to kids. Yeah. Um, It's very kiwi. I, they probably exist in Australia as well, but... No, I... Not really? Mm, not nah, that. Maybe always, not. Caramello koalas are the go-to in Australia. Caramello which is, koalas? It's kind of like, like a Freddo. Yeah. But a koala, but mm. filled with caramel. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Why do I want one of them? Superior. Yeah. Like... Okay, when I go to Australia for Christmas, I will bring, bring you them back. back? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so chocolate fish, typically given, like, if you're a kid, you've done a good job at school, like, you know, it's a patronising to be like, oh, you've done a great piece of work, have a chocolate fish. A, you don't need anything to no. be doing... I mean, technically not your job, but, like, something at work, like, whatever. No. But also, like... You've asked me if I would help you. I said yes. That yeah. should be the end of it. Stop making such a big deal about it. Like, I don't like it. Yeah, it's that combo of, like, patronising with the aspect of the chocolate fish, but also too much, too, <laughs> with, like, saying that you need to be rewarded. Like, well, yeah, and yeah. saying it repeatedly. Like, if yeah. it was a one-off joke, but it's like they didn't get the response they liked the first time, so they just keep saying it and hoping that you'll respond in the way they want. Which, to me, because I'm bitch, I'm like, no, I will be less receptive with every go. Yeah, so I have a pond... No, me, I 100% get it. I go sometimes one step further and then I get in trouble by being like, oh, I'm not laughing because I don't understand it. Yeah. And then, But then I'm like, oh, fuck, you don't need to say that, so... And then <laughs> that's when I get complaints about being too direct. <laughs> so... We'd be like, why is that funny, though? Make yeah. them explain it. Literally, no, anytime anyone does a misogynist or sexist joke, I pretend I don't understand. And then I'm like, oh, sorry, why is that funny? And then they realise, fuck, I need to explain my sexist joke. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Put it back on them. Well, yeah. speaking of sexist jokes, anyway. perhaps we should oh, just crack shit. into yeah. okay. it. Okay, so I will uh, introduce our episode. In episode four of season two, The Girl in the Fireplace, the Doctor, Mickey and Rose land on a spaceship in the 51st century, only to find 18th century Versailles on board, the time of Madame de Pompadour. Mm. To find out what's going on, the Doctor must enter Versailles, time windows and save Madame de Pompadour but it turns into an emotional roller coaster for the doctor for the doctor big Dell. so oh I, I think no I agree because I'm like, Rose and Renette, there's some chat, but it's literally all about the Doctor. Mm-hmm. And very little of it. No, very, very little. And then she's like generally talking to other French people. Like there's some female presenting people in the background, but like never in a... Yeah. Yeah, like not named characters, right? Like no, even no, no. Gwen from Merlin, who has a brief cameo in this. Oh. And they're talking about the king. So, yeah. Yeah, no. No, yeah, cool. and I think, yeah, I think this will be quite a common feature Moving forward. Mm. Oh, before I forget, quick shout out. I got an email. Yay! So to a lovely listener who emailed me, who, yes, is known to Jen, uh, still still counts. Um, thank you very much for your email. It had some really interesting, insightful thoughts, discussion on women and ageing 
in TV and film, which is something that we talked about before. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. It made my day. Yeah, I'm so glad. And we also had shout out to Jessica who promoted us on Twitter to say that she's enjoying the podcast. So thank you for listening. We do appreciate it. And when I sold Sophie about this, she immediately went, do you know her? Because we can't exist in a world where anyone listens to this who we don't personally know. So thank you. We appreciate it. <laughs> thank you, Jessica, who is not personally known or dating either of us. <laughs> Very much appreciated. <laughs> the bar. That, that is, have that to is. Clear. It's incredible. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, no. Not honestly. I, I, I squealed with glee when you sent me that screenshot today Cute. Of, of Jessica's lovely post so very happy cool so I mean it's your turn for our discussion question yes do you want to do an intro or should we do overall episode thoughts first what's let me do the intro I okay. think so I think at the end of the last episode we made that throwaway comment about the show being written predominantly by men who aren't very good at letting women have their own lives yeah. or indeed any agency and then this week we had this episode that I think actually really encapsulates that tendency so I wanted to talk about women's agency and specifically in fiction and specifically when they're only used to advance the plot. And I I do want to say, like, originally when this episode first came out, when I first saw it, I really loved it. I was obsessed with this period in French history because I was exposed to the Three Musketeers too young and therefore developed unhealthy fascination with, like, pre-revolutionary France. But I think it wasn't just me. This episode was incredibly well-received. It's one of the most acclaimed episodes of Who... The script was nominated for a Nebula Award. It won a Hugo for Best Dramatic Presentation Short Form. It was Stephen Moffat's second script, obviously, so we've already seen his work in The Empty Child and The Doctor Dances, and which was also very well received. So I think this started this expectation around Moffat's stories as like being really amazing, really engaging, really acclaimed work. But I think we also see the fundamental issue that would plague Moffat's tenure as a showrunner later because it's fun and it looks good on the surface, but if you just scratch it a little bit, it's actually pretty bleak from a female lens. And I don't think the intervening 16 years has been particularly kind to this episode, so... Yeah, rewatching it made me a bit sad. Dude, so first of all, cracking information, thank you. Did not know that it had been nominated for a Nebula and a fucking Victor Hugo. Mm. I, d- I didn't won remember. Won the Hugo. Oh, won the What the? Okay, so I did not remember this episode. Mm. And it surprises me that people were that. Yeah, like, no, it was big. It was like one of the biggest ones. One of the top three episodes of David Tennant's era often. But no. Yeah. I think there's a lot bad going on. And it's also fucking sad. Yeah, and also, interestingly, it was actively inspired by the novel The Time Traveler's Wife, which I think is interesting because that has its own issues of agency. And Stephen Moffat would then come up against that quite directly recently because he adapted the novel for TV this year. Oh! And it didn't get renewed for a second season. He did that. Dude, in my notes, I fucking talk about The Time Traveler's Wife. I didn't know that he, the Niffenegger book came out. Mm Mm-hmm a while ago but I didn't realise that he actively actively inspired this episode it's cited as an influence for this episode and then he adopted it for TV this year so he's obviously very into this storyline kind of what he does with Amy Pond and Matt Smith as well same sort of vibe so this is but when you look at it like that the way they've split the Doctor and the companions out it's a bit it's a bit AU fanficy. yeah yeah this is like time traveller's wife fanfic Anyway, those are my overall episode thoughts. Yeah, no, to completely agree. My notes are, this F is dot, 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 weird and also sad. Mm. Because it is weird. Like, we're on a spaceship, but we're also... Like, it's a period setting plus a futuristic setting. Normally we have one or the other. Mm. So that's interesting. But then these really extremely creepy clockwork courtiers. Yeah. And then also harvesting human organs yeah I mean that is creepy and plugging them in so yeah it was just very and yeah I didn't remember so I think disclaimer I was slightly coloured on my 
interpretation to some degree because you told me about your choice of theme before I watched it. Oh, so I would, I was going in looking for yeah, you know, agency, lack of agency, what's going on in that space. But like honestly, it sticks out like fucking dogs' balls. Like it's so weird, and the grooming. Like so, this is my main thing. I don't know if we'll talk about this now or later, but like everything is Doctor centric. I get it. It's Doctor Who. Like that is facts is what it is compared to how it used to be you know back in old who we've come a long way in terms of having other characters and having you know them have their own plot lines and stuff Mm -hmm. so i get that it's doctor centric but this episode is just like at one point her and rose and Raynette are talking and they're actually just like we have to wait for the doctor the doctor will sort it the doctor will save her it's literally like they are just waiting to be saved yeah and it's like this is even stronger than normal i definitely didn't hate it Mm. i definitely didn't love it and I was just bummed out overall. It makes me really sad because it was definitely one of my favourite episodes back in the day. But I think I didn't like Rose very much and she doesn't come off particularly well in this episode. And I think, as previously discussed, my like internalised mm. misogyny. But she's painted like that in this episode. She's like painted as kind of the nagging wife who doesn't want to have fun. But he does abandon them. He just fucks off. Yeah, he does. And leaves them with the intergalactic fire extinguishers. Yeah. <laughs> Ice gun. <laughs> Good old Mickey. <laughs> So, in terms of agency, when you discuss agency in films or texts, you're talking about a female character's ability to take action or make their own decisions that affect their lives and the outcomes within the story. So, it's the condition of being active or exerting power or influence for oneself. So, with that in mind... I think Raynette is supposed to be this amazing woman, like, and she was historically yep. amazing woman, massive accomplishments. We don't get to see her do any of that. Everything feels like a consequence of her engagement with the doctor. Like, yep. you know, oh, she saw him when she was little and she's had this amazing life. Like, he just tells her that she's had all these achievements. We don't get to see her act in an amazing way at all, and it's very disappointing. Yeah, it really is. There's nothing that gives us a first-hand characterization of her accomplishments of that experience. No. And if anything, it comes across like, oh, you know, and I, oh, okay. There's, I'll just tell my thoughts and you tell me if I'm being an asshole. But what we see is he turns up in the fireplace. She's seven. Mm. He, like, have a very brief conversation and he, like, scares away the first clockwork scary thing. No one knows what's going on. He disappears for moments, comes mm. back again. It's, like, six months later. Mm-hmm. Then they interact not... So she's the same age-ish, maybe seven or eight. They interact not at all, and he pops up again when she's 23. So in between that extreme, like, minutes of interaction at seven and then 23, she has 100% full bore, fallen in love with him, Mm -hmm. like, completely been pining for him, spending her whole life, like, through her teens, you know, getting into the court, getting into the upper echelons, you know, like, making a name within her social circle for herself, but still Mm. being entirely fixated on him. And I'm like... Why? It's very weird. You don't see why. I don't know. It just seems. Did, did you feel this? Like, yeah, I'm like, I get what you're saying. Like, so why is him? he so amazing? Like, just yeah. he popped out of a fireplace, and you know, it's a magical occurrence. But there's nothing. He doesn't give her enough for her to like latch onto him the way that she does. Like, yeah. it's very bizarre. It's like women are just waiting around for an amazing man to like build their lives around. That's the narrative of it, right? Yeah, and it's yeah. just very sad. And the the time traveler's wife, yeah, like 100%, but like makes total sense that you said that's a direct inspiration because yeah, it just reminded me of that. And yeah, the like at least in that book, Henry comes back and appears a lot. Like yeah. there's really a chat and they like have picnics together and they hang out and they play and And doesn't she actively question it in that book as well? She's like, how would I know how my life would have turned out? Like would yeah, I yeah, have yeah. fallen in yeah. love with you had I not Yeah, yeah there's some level of weird it's still weird 
I've seen a lot of people be like, well, when it comes to agency and creative works, it should be, you know, most texts will reflect the culture that it's set in. This so is a good point. the yeah. roles of the women in any given text tend to mirror the agency held by the women in society at the time. But when you have someone like Renette who was already defying the roles within her society, yeah. why then would you impose those roles when I within a creative text? It seems a bit strange. Yeah, and then I feel like that's the main takeaway I got from that. It's, it's really hard to have agency. Mm. when you formed this strong connection as a child with an adult because oh i mean hard to have agency hard to not be kind of unfairly influenced in that connection when it's not a it's not a peer-to-peer power dynamic like i mean not only is he a fully grown adult with a whole life's worth of experience and she's a seven-year-old child in you know Mm. 18th century france she's also in a moment of peril and he's saving her. So there's literally so much going on there that she's, you know, she's literally like falling in love with this person who she feels has like ballooned in from nowhere, is so different to anything she knows, is in futuristic mm. clothes, and is saving her life. Like it's a really weird, like that's not, you no, know, like Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, kind of, right? And it's like if you have a really powerful boss at work and you get on great with them, but then you fall in love and it's always going to be like, yeah, but how much of that is because there's this weird power dynamic and you felt like. And also he comes yeah. with this, like he's basically doing magic, right? He's got the super abilities oh, yeah, that yeah, yeah. she's not aware of. And I think what I struggle with is the fact that she then, she doesn't try and save herself. Like when we open with this flashback where she's standing at the clock and she's like, the clock is broken, the doctor will come and the King Louis is like uh excuse me what is happening and she's like no no don't worry the doctor will come he won't let me down now so it sets up this this narrative where she is never taking control of her life in moments of like that because she's actively waiting for the doctor to save her waiting for her white knight to ride in and save her she is a remarkable woman she can save herself she doesn't need to wait for him yeah and it just feels like disingenuous to put her in that situation no i totally agree it's super weird. Also, Rose is given so little to do in this episode. And it, like, <laughs> yeah. her and Mickey, like, literally, like... Yeah, just ro- roaming around this spaceship. Sometimes I wonder if it's, like, did they have other stuff on? And they deliberately, like, weren't given... But I'm sure Stephen Moffat, like, he will write what he wants to write. But maybe, like, Rose had other commitments and was like, <laughs> I can do, like, five scenes tops. <laughs> yeah. No, I just... um, I feel like she doesn't have agency either, right? Like, she's placed in the situation, then the Doctor leaves. They don't. She doesn't have control over that situation. She's entirely reliant on the Doctor... Yeah. to, you know, set up these things. And then yeah, he yeah. leaves without even explaining what's happening because he always just runs off. He never communicates, as we <laughs> previously discussed. Oh, God. Yes. Yeah, and then she's kind of just, like, relegated to this role of nagging fishwife. And, when you know, when she, her and Mickey are captured and they're on those tables and, you know, he comes in pretending yeah, yeah. to be drunk and she's like, funny scene, very funny. Yeah, I remember yeah. loving that bit, you know, always take bananas to a party, bananas are good. Great <laughs> banana reference. But, you know, she's like, where have you been? Look what the cat dragged in, the oncoming storm. And he's like, you sound just like your mother. And actually, she has every right to be upset. Like, you are responsible for her and Becky. And you've left him in this situation. So, I don't know if you get to play her off as being no fun and like, oh, you can't keep the horse while I let you keep Mickey. Like, it's horrible. Oh, yeah, that's one of my my random observations I was not a fan of. Yeah, comparing um, having Mickey around to keeping a pet horse. Yeah. (sighs) There's also like this weird on the kind of white knight saviorism angle, like an odd religious layer to it too. So like 18th century France, religious time. I mean, compared to like the baseline of now. And she, you know, Renette refers to him as 
her lonely angel. Yeah. And it's like, A, you have no insight into his life, right? You don't know if he's lonely or not. You don't know what's going on at all. She literally knows nothing about his life, but like maybe he gives off lonely vibes. Cool. And doesn't she say that after she reads his mind? Isn't that the first oh, time she says that? maybe. Because she has that moment where she's like, a door once opened can be stepped through both ways because she's so amazing. And then she reads his mind, which actually... Mm, but invasion of privacy, not to ask for his permission to yeah, just no, like Yeah, no, there's no consent there. No. Mm. Also, that's like thousands of years of Time Lord trauma. 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 <laughs> of trauma. Um, I would not want to read that. Yeah, okay, so that's actually a great point. I retract that comment. But still, the angel bit, it's like a deity. Yeah, and this is the thing. He's always going to occupy this otherworldly space in her mind because, again, she saw him as a child, right? You can't rationalise yeah. what no, happened no, no, not in the situation. At all. And he also has all this power because he is, you know, from the future, so has yeah. understanding of things that are outside her ken. Yeah. Nah, I'm not a fan of it, eh? Because it's so frustrating because you're like, it's the classic Josh Whedon problem <laughs> where they're like, oh, you write such amazing, strong female characters and then you spend three minutes with these female characters and you're like, is this really what we're going to call a strong female character because they're so flat and one-dimensional. It may be a good point to just segue to an interesting thing I read. Yes. So, reading around agency, this kind of thing, in in film and TV, and I came across, it's a bit old, I think it was like from 2013, lol, but it was an interview um, between this guy, whose name I've forgotten, but I will put the link in the thing, (laughs) and Kelly Sue DeConnick, who at the time was one of the top writers at Marvel Comics, Mm -hmm. helming both Captain Marvel and the Avengers Assemble. And in this conversation, like, the interviewer had asked her, you know, about agency and with her female characters and how the characters she writes in comic books, um, you know, are strong female characters, but also actually have agency. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were talking about the Bechdel test, uh, which also kind of had an origin from a comic book writer, mm-hmm. Alison mm-hmm. Bechdel. And then Deconic says that sometimes she feels like that test is even a bit advanced mm-hmm. and she does an even simpler one um, for works which she uh, invented, which she calls the sexy lamp test. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which is, if you can remove a female character from the plot and replace her with a sexy lamp and your story still works, you're a hack. (laughs) And I feel like 90% of this episode, Raynette could be a sexy lamp. Yeah, it's true. She doesn't really add anything. Um, I mean, there's that one bit where the clockwork courtiers are holding her and about to, you know, but didn't kill her quickly. And so she does that, like, very, with no offence, French being like, no, basically I refuse. Like, you <laughs> cannot do this. Everybody, we're not putting up for this. Which really wasn't even, they were just like waiting for yeah. time. Like, apart from that bit, like he could have walked through a fireplace and like talked to a lamp and saved a lamp. If the, the lamp was important, we could have protected yeah, the lamp. basically protect the lamp. Like, the, he could have been visiting the lamp over years. <laughs> um, the the baddies could just need a lamp to plug it in. Like, well, they essentially do just need a lamp to plug in. They just need a bit of her, right? And yeah. they keep being like, not ready. <laughs> So, yeah, like, for the vast majority of... She could be a sexy lamp. Yeah. It's not a good thing. It's not a good sign. No, it is not. Yeah, so she spends her whole life pining after him and fixating on him. And then, I mean, over the entire course of her life, spends, like, actually five full minutes of contact time with him. Yeah. And then dies at 43. Yeah, and Jesus we don't, like, fucking Christ. We don't see any, like, she was, like, you know, the uncrowned queen of France, all this stuff. Like, she basically yeah. ran a war for seven years. Like, she was a badass, and we don't get to see any of that. All the we fact get that to we see... know about her, how many, like, pre-revolutionary French people do you know about? Like, straight up none. Yeah. Like, the kings. Yeah, exactly. Like, at plus, Madame yeah. de Pompadour. Everyone and knows the about... Fa- the, the ones from the Three Musketeers who are real. <laughs> <laughs> the Count of Monte Cristo. Cardinal Richelieu. I love Cardinal Richelieu. <laughs> what a cartoon villain. I'm into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just sad. I keep bringing back to that point, but yeah, like I said, she spends her whole life pining after him. And then her and Rose have that exchange where 
she hears her future self being horribly traumatized and in, and scared and shouting and screaming and then says to Rose, you and I both know Rose, the doctor is worth the monsters. Mm. And is he? Yeah. <laughs> Based on what do you think that? Like, because he saved you a couple of times. The irony of that as well is when the clockwork people are like, come with us. And she's like, no, I've seen your world and I have no interest in going back there. And yet you are willing to go back there for the doctor. That's the same world. This is the same Yeah, world. and I mean, like, I've seen your world. She, like, looked through a doorway and looked at a corridor, right? Yeah. When Rose was like, no, don't. And then Raynard just, like, walked through a door. Like, <laughs> had a little peek in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, And that was it. She didn't, like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And no, yeah. no time seemed to pass on that moment, which is interesting. Yeah, 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 right? She didn't go back and it was, like, a year later and they were like, where did you go? Yeah. <laughs> where have you been? Um, yeah, so that's just generally my whole, like, what has he really done for her? Like, not a lot, but anyway. Yeah, it is weird. It is weird when you think about it like that. She, he's not really adding value to her life instead of, like, except saving her from these things. But the better thing to do would have been to teach her how to save herself. Like, yeah. this is what you do to dismantle the clockwork people. Catch you later, bye. But he doesn't do that. And in those, it's just more luck than judgment, too, that in the betweening times when he's, like, having a chat back on the spaceship, that the courtiers just haven't decided that her heart is ready for harvesting. Mm. Like, that's literally just luck. Because he's not there for, like, these great swathes of years. Yeah. And he's not intervening. It's just that he happens to pop back in and that's when they decide to have another crack. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's, like, tenuous plot. Yeah. I feel like I'm ripping this apart, but I didn't not enjoy it. I just, yeah, I don't know. I think it's pissed me off that you were, like, it won awards and now I'm like, it fucking won. Yeah, no, it's, like, honestly considered one of the best episodes. And, like, I really loved it at the time. I did. But now I'm just watching it and I'm like, this woman... Has got no control over her life. Why is she... I don't understand why she's... But the thing is, like you said, a great point. She apparently has, just we don't see it. But, like, you can then argue, why has she had this amazing life? Are we saying it's because she met the Doctor when she was young? Yeah. And therefore, to, like, impress him, she's, like, gone and had, had all these achievements? Because that's a read you could put on it, which is fucking gross. But you could. You could say that. Yeah, because he says that to her when she's seven, right? That she does all these things. Yeah. Like... Yeah, so... And then he just gets, seems very gleeful about it. He's like, I just kissed Madame de Pompadour. Like, he is just, like, getting off on the fact that this really accomplished woman seems to have a crush on him. Which is also gross because weird. you, like, set it up. Like, I just, And also, mm. like, you knew her when she was... Oh, I don't know. And this leads into a whole, like... But, like, you knew her when she was a little kid, right? And then she, like, fell in love with you. And is it, like, an abuse of power to them when she's, like, of age? You can be like, hmm. And, like, yeah, he doesn't overtly make a move on her. But he definitely gives jealous vibes. When the oh. king is like, I'm the French king... And no, like, I'm the king of France. And then he's like, well, I'm the lord of time. Yeah. It's like, who, what, do you want us to want to get your dicks out? And yeah, them? Like, like, basically, <laughs> right? Like, that's exactly what it is. So, I don't know. And weirdly, because, you know, Stephen Moffat has had a lot of criticism about how he writes women over the years. Not when this came out, but in the intervening times. Yeah, 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 And I think in defense of this episode, he was like, well, you know, the doctor just doesn't get jealous. He's like, he's not a human being. He doesn't experience jealousy the way that a human being would. And I'm like, well, that's just factually untrue because he's been jealous of Mickey. He's been jealous of Jack. He's jealous of the king in this. Like the idea that the doctor doesn't get jealous. Nine was actively jealous of lots of stuff. Yeah, Adam. Oh, Jack? Yeah. What? Is Stephen Moffat watching Doctor Who? <laughs> like... And also his thing being like, there was this whole interview where he's like, oh, you know, a man can just be in love with multiple women. Like, if people ask, how can the doctor be in love with Brenda and Rose? But, you know, have you ever met a man? Men can be in love with multiple people. <laughs> <laughs> so, no. yeah, it's Fuck off, great. Steve. Sorry, that's... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, before I... Uh, yeah. 
I guess we'll just roll into the random observations then. Yeah, what I've already said about the uh, intergalactic fire extinguishers. Lol. It really annoys me that at the end the doctor is like, pack a bag, and then he runs through the portal, and then he comes back like he's expecting Renette to be there, but he no. knows that time changes when he goes in. He knows that time moves differently, so what was he expecting here? And then it's like, oh, she's leaving Versailles for the last time, and then she's like dead, and it's very sad. It is very sad. But also this is just so stupid from the doctor. Like, it's actively I know, stupid. because he thought maybe he could just go for like 10 seconds, and then, but like, why? dude I know I know yeah so then he leaves her for too long she dies before ever seeing him again and then the French king is just randomly there to be like you know she always talked about you she never forgot you and to be fair it was probably like because she must have been like in her 30s Mm. mid 30s maybe by the time he came back that last time so maybe like you're 37, I Eight. think? Yeah, okay, so, so six years has gone by yeah. in that time. But still, like, ugh, it's just, it's this thing. If he parachutes into people's lives, and then, they yeah, form strong she, connections, the thing that and then he fucks heart. off. She leaves him this letter, because he tells her earlier in the episode, you know, don't listen to reason, why would you do that? And then so in that letter, mm. she's like, reason tells me I won't see you again, but I shan't listen to reason. And, like, it's just horrible. Like, it's horrible that she keeps expecting him to turn up right until the end and it's just like because he's actively given her false hope yeah and I just feel like it really it hollows out her life it again robs Mm. her of agency yeah and it's like all these amazing things that she did apparently we never see it's just the in-betweeny times when she's waiting for him yeah because we never even get to hear that and that's not what the king remarks on on her death he doesn't talk about how much he loved her or like how amazing she was he's just like oh well she always loved you no and I'm pretty sure he says you know how women are yeah I'm like what having fucking emotions mate also a French man having a joke about other people having emotions is hilarious but <laughs> yeah I don't I, feel like it's an accurate representation of the king of France I'm no, just gonna put it out there like I don't well, think it's probably generic Louis can't remember which one you were um sorry <laughs> louis the... somewhere teenth yeah <laughs> one of them yeah i wasn't a fan of that mate arthur the horse arthur the horse great name for a horse yeah it's a great name for a horse love it also a random observation tenuous science yeah i mean i kind of i thought you would appreciate this because the, you know there's that bit where mickey's like you said this was the 50th century and the doctor said i always said the ship was generating enough power to punch a hole through the universe i think we just found the hole must be spaceship with a temporal hyperlink what's that no idea just made it up didn't want to say magic door i'm like I know. so full of this i did fucking love that no that was brilliant and you've also just spoiled one of my standout moments. oh i apologize I <laughs> no apologize. it's okay no it was a standout moment yeah i did think that was hilarious but no it's more the end when they're like oh but we moved the fireplace from your childhood home oh, into yeah. the Palace of Versailles and because it broke the link it's now offline but it's still worked there's like yeah so it would have been like a dodgy connection and I fixed a dodgy connection and now it's like a link back to the spaceship that's not been severed I was like cool alright yeah and it literally just hit it Stephen was like I'm late for dinner how do I just wrap <laughs> this plot up I know it doesn't really make sense yeah I do love Mickey being like, what's a horse doing on a spaceship? Mickey, what's pre-revolutionary France doing on a spaceship? Get a little perspective. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. We haven't talked about how creepy the courtiers are. They are very creepy. Despite the fact that they look like V from V for Vandetta in Fancy Dress. It's just that, yeah, it's because you can't see the face and just the way they move. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, the, yeah. Ticking. the ticking. No, it's the, and it's masks. Masks are just terrifying. Stephen Moffat is very good at tapping into those primal fears we have. Yeah. Like, all of his monsters are always like these little things that just, those uncanny valley things that make yeah, you yeah, very... Yeah uncomfortable and they are creepy for what is essentially just like clockwork robots i know when they take the wig and the mask off it's just like okay you're fine 
Yeah. I love when the doctor's like, all right, many of the things about this are not good. I feel like that about everything every day of my life. Okay, all right, many of the things about this are not good. Yeah, no, I know. Maybe, should we, like, get that tattooed? (laughs) Many things about this are not good, Jen. Yeah. And then, oh, okay, this is a point of clarification for me. Mm -hmm. End of the episode. I don't understand. Why is the ship, do we, why is it called the USS Madame de Pompadour? Don't know, but that's the resolution for why they go after her. Because, you know, the Doctor ends sort of being like, we'll never know why they chose her or blah, blah, blah. And then they don't see the outside of the ship, but we as viewers see the outside of the ship. So we know that the ship's name is the USS Madame Pompadour. And that is why they went after Madame the Pompadour. Because they're like, that's the ship name, so she must be able to, like, steer the ship. But why they would have named it that, I don't know. Okay, cool. I was worried that I missed a key plot thing. No, I okay, guess cool. Star Trek uh, just pulled that name out of a hat. <laughs> um, generally, by the end of the episode, the Doctor is is not okay. Yeah, and he's like, he's I'm, really always, I'm always all right. I'm like, are you, though? No, you're not. You need therapy. We said this before and we'll say it again. Yeah, but I guess he just keeps making the same mistakes over and over again. I'm like, what did you <sighs> expect? To, like, oh, even if yeah. she came with you, you know, she still had health issues and stuff. She still would have died within six years, probably. Um, but also, she still, it doesn't matter if it was only six years. She was still going to die eventually. So, yeah, like, this is always going to be an issue for you, my man, because you can regenerate and other people cannot. Oh, Yeah. Tuberculosis got her. The classic. Just Googled it. Yeah. Consumption. <laughs> yeah. So she was probably sick by, I mean, maybe not, but probably. Although maybe some nanobots could have fixed her or Inevitably, something. Inevitably, yeah. I mean, this does come out at the end of like school reunion as well. So they've had this interaction with Sarah Jane where he said to Rose, you know, you can spend the rest of my life with you, but I can't spend the rest of mine with yeah, yours. Yeah. So maybe he gets to this spaceship and he's like, you know what? I'm just going to have a little doliance because it'll be light and fun and I don't have to like get emotionally involved and it doesn't matter like it doesn't matter but then he does shirk his responsibilities to these people like his crew essentially yeah 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 not who, the captaining who survive generally through accident rather than I mean like sometimes Rose like takes control occasionally and like saves herself and like is quick thinking but like, they don't know what they're fighting. They don't have a sonic screwdriver. No, Why can't also, he not like, make more sonic screwdrivers? He goes through the wall or the mirror or whatever it is at the end of this on the horse, on after yeah, the yeah, horse, yeah. breaking yeah. the link, yeah. and just leaves Mickey and... What are they supposed to do on this spaceship? They can't pilot the TARDIS. Live the rest of their human life there? Like, yeah. Not even. There's no food on that. We know no, that. Oh, so... my God. Well, ho- we hope that the the TARDIS has a food replicator so they can at least live in there but mm-hmm. then just like just live in there as their like as their survival ship till you know and the, the rest of like the 70 years of their life and like imagine like scrappers would turn up and like no it's really yeah irresponsible god that's fucking bleak yeah he just does leave them doesn't even think about it doesn't even and there's that shot of like <sighs> Rose's face and she's like staring at nothing because yeah. like he's gone through this wall and I just really feel for her in that moment because like yeah he's just left you and yeah. it's not about are the, setting aside the romantic feelings that she may have for him yeah this is a man who's in charge with her well-being and her life like and he's just fucked off without so much as a buy your leave yeah 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 nah it's not cool and I think that if if we were to interrogate him in that moment he would say I would have found a way to get back to her or some bullshit but like he puts too much on his abilities sometimes but also he wasn't actively trying to get back to no, them he, he was like kind of like happy to like, chill well I live here now and then it was just like she made this throwaway comment about the fireplace and he's like oh maybe I can get back he wasn't yeah, like yeah, yeah. heartbroken about not being able to get mm. back he was kind of looking forward to his little tenure that, that is not attractive I'm not I'm not enamored to him with that behaviour no. so 
Do I mean we might have talked about them, but standout moments, my friend. I do think it's visually stunning. I think it looks yeah. great. I love the contrast between like the the darkness of the ship and then this French court. I think mm-hmm. that like kind of stark contrast against each other is really interesting. It's an they interesting spent some dynamic. good money on um, a costumes, yeah, b sets, and also clockwork because a lot of that's not CGI. I no, mean, that's just nice clockwork. It just looks really good. Like it's yeah. visually appealing, which I think is again why the show gets. You know, people overlook its flaws. It's, it's the rings of power effect. Yeah. People are like, oh, it's beautiful to look at. Why is it shit? Who knows? Anyway, um, I also thought the acting was great. I think both David Tennant and Sophia Miles, who yeah. play Renette, really do a great job. They've got great chemistry, and it's no surprise that they ended up dating after yeah, this yeah, episode. Yeah. Because, yeah. Like, oh, they did! Yeah. Cute! Yeah, so I think they've got great chemistry. I love that bit. Like, the banana stuff always cracks me up, because it's like a throwback to season one about the bananas. It's just, like, dumb, and I just kind of like it. Oh, I invented the banana daiquiri a few centuries <laughs> early. Oh, God. I'm kind of into that. Yeah, and I think Mickey actually was really good in this episode. Like, he handled his first space adventure really well. So, you know, probably. Like, when he did that little, like, combat roll. Yeah. With the carrying the fire extinguisher. Totally unnecessarily. Excellent ice gun fire extinguisher. It's just great. I really love that. So, yeah, yeah, that was one of my standout moments. What about you? Yeah, so I didn't want to say Magic Door was hilarious. (laughs) Um, But also, just the, the sheer drama that 10, riding a horse called Arthur, through a mirror to save the day into the Palace of Versailles. <laughs> like, just textbook Doctor mm. Who unnecessary. <laughs> Heightened <laughs> drama into it. And just, like, often Who ends up being kind of surreal. Mm. Like, they really kind of twist it sometimes on, like, this is something you know or an aspect of history and we're just going to tweak it and make it wacky. Yeah. That's cool. It just reminded me of her being like, when everyone's freaking out, and she's like, please, this is Versailles, and we are French. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Being so French, to be like, why, everybody calm down, remember who you are. Maybe this is why when I'm around the office, and I'm like, can everyone just calm down? Is that my French side coming <laughs> oh out? My, my one-eighth percent French. <laughs> um, which is also hilarious, because you do love the drama as well. I do so. love the drama, love the drama, live for the drama, as do the French. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah. I want to be the drama, though. I don't want to be in a bit play in other people's <laughs> drama. That's the difference. Yeah, I will bring the drama. Same with the Doctor. He brings the drama. No, he really does. Yeah, so I would say, just generally, yeah, like you said, great point. Like, Raynette and the Doctor, their kind of interactions, they're definitely, that's where the interest is, even though Raynette's really kind of, like, just waiting for the Doctor to allow her to have plot development. But, um, but yeah, Mickey and, Mickey and Rose, not meh. It's mm. kind of like not very much in this episode. Buddy Piper was rocking a lovely loose wave again on that. <laughs> What's become, I think, a little bit of a shorter bob. Mm. It's a great, it's a great length on her. Um, um, yeah, you could actually have told the story without them. Hey, they did not need to be there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. There was some like moderate peril with them being held on the ship and like waiting for the Doctor because he's in a different place. But we know, like, at this point in the season, we know we're not going to get probably even Mickey at this point. We're too invested in him for him to be like casually killed off mid-season. Yeah. So you know, like the. The companions in no real peril. It's just kind of like a bit like, okay, whatever. It's the James We're Bond not effect. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And these poor clockwork people, they're actually just trying to fix their ship. It's not their fault that they're trying to, you know, harvest no, her they're brain. they're not evil. Using yeah. the crew. Imagine you're, like, on that ship and you're, like, in an emergency situation and the, the crew, like, yeah, your, your um, robot crewmates just start harvesting you for parts to rebuild the ship. Like, what would, what would you do in that situation? Uh... Try and like Benny from the Mummy. Try and be their servant. <laughs> be like, keep me alive, and you can be my overlord. And but they'll be like, we need your eye, and then yank it out of your head. Yeah. Okay. 
Or do we think they waited until the crew were dead before they harvested them? No, uh, well, I mean, they weren't. Were they waiting? They weren't ranking for Renette to die. No, that's they just true. She's ready, but then would they kill her then harvest it? I don't know if they do vivisection, <laughs> like a live harvest. Yeah, does it need to be it's alive? I mean, to like run the ship, maybe they need. Oh, the... what's the organ transplant window? Probably that. Oh my god, do those like is the eye and the the thing that Rose saw in the heart and stuff? Are they still like? What if the people are still conscious? Oh my god, they just kept them alive just in case they need other parts. Mm. Oh, it's very never let me go. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, and so like the doctor and they're just gonna fuck off, but those people are still wired into the ship, still alive. Still they did, I don't know if they did a full ship search. It's quite a big no, ship. I they, think they stayed in uh, as budget allows probably two rooms. <laughs> just we can only do the set for these two rooms. That is now my head cannon that they just left, and these poor people are still trapped. God, no, dude, why is that? Oh, fuck, that's dark. It's a, a lot darker all of a sudden. That's the uh, so after watershed version of this. Yeah, episode. God. Cool. Yeah, I mean, and that's a great point too. This is a kids' show, normally kids, is in like it's shown well before a watershed, and it does have some like intense and dark, scary themes. Mm. You wouldn't want little, little, little ones watching it. No, you'd be traumatized. Mm. Although it does teach you that even the monsters under your bed have a monster of their own. So maybe that helps. I don't know. Just to be like, there's always a bigger predator. <laughs> yeah. like, sleep. But it's okay. It's the doctor. The doctor will come and save you, so don't worry about sleep it. Sleep easy, kids. There's always a bigger, scarier thing than any bigger, scarier thing you can think of. And don't talk to any children, Jen. <laughs> well, I try. Lord knows I try. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mm. Yeah, you opened with a good... I don't know if you want to pick it up again as a closing remark, but mm. that point on when you know, women need to have agency because otherwise they're only there to advance the plot. And I think she was only there to advance the plot. She was literally there because they need. oh, but they needed to harvest her. So is that like a bigger purpose? Yeah, but that's outside of her control again. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing that she is choosing. There's no pro-action. It's just reaction. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And this is the thing, like people be like, oh, she's such a strong character. I'm like, is she though? Like, yes, the person that she's supposed to be is an amazing individual but that's not what's reflected on screen no, i don't no, exactly. get the vibe like just her being like calm down this is france i don't know if that makes her a strong character and she's only calm because she expects the doctor to come and save her that's why she's calm and she's only doing any of that because she's being held at razor pointy arm point yeah and you're supposed to be like oh she's so amazing look at her staying calm but she's only doing it because she's expecting to be saved and he literally white knights in yeah on a, horse. on a white fucking horse yeah. yeah no I know yeah and so she has this like blind faith that I mean that's not that's that not a man will say yeah her. that's not agency at all that's the fucking opposite yeah yeah so, Ooh. you know it was a bit weird I don't know how it would come out in the edit but that's fine okay cool. keep you meant to work me, me being so, so yeah yeah no. I'm, about the edit. I'm sorry everybody Jen does the editing and I'm indebted to her and the program audacity non-spawn 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 you could sponsor us if you want I mean yeah that would be great thank you Podbean what would you get for free nothing it's free anyway I mean, oh no we, we paid for it we do pay yeah. for it we would love to quit our jobs and do this professionally and literally quit my job and do basically anything but alas I don't think we can do that with 20 listeners but hey. we live in hope shush excuse me if one of them is like a millionaire not even a millionaire that's not enough I couldn't even buy a house in Wellington <laughs> trees is crazy you can't even say a millionaire if one of them is Jeff Bezos, are you listening? No, he's not going to give us anything because we've been slagging offerings about. Oh my god, we have. Oh god, that just reminds me when I was getting on the lift before, one of our colleagues was waiting in the lobby, and he was like, "Oh, how are you?" And I'm like, "I'm sick of people asking me this question." It's like, "What's wrong?" I'm like, "Well, I'm laboring under capitalism." So, and he's like, "Oh, don't say that." I'm like, "It's true. We'll be doing this." Say that. Like, what? That you would be like? No, I come here for just the sheer fucking camaraderie. Intangible rewards. (laughs) 
camaraderie. Oh, guys, if I won any level of money, I you wouldn't see me for dust. Like, <laughs> I really enjoy working with you. And still, you, like, I would not do it. Would I give notice? No. Like, I mean, I mean, that's not true because I feel guilty. But yeah. if you win a lot of money, can I be your PA? Yeah. Would oh. you be a good PA? Yeah, I'd be an amazing PA. Yeah, I, I think you would actually. This. Yeah. yeah. Can I, can I, and also vice versa? versa? Yeah. yeah can Sign I, me okay, up. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Excellent. Yeah, no, because I'd like manage your calendar. I could like get, get my you, car service. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, fuck yeah. Okay, so do you currently buy a lottery ticket? No. No, me neither. Okay. So we, <laughs> just, well, I'm the not fallback buying option, into it. Okay? We have to find one on the road and then. I just think. It's a scam. It's it's not, if you work out the odds, mate, it's not. We're never gonna. Yeah. You'd better be putting that money into. <laughs> this is such a random fact. <laughs> if you put that money into a pot, and then after ten years, you'd probably have more money. You would have more money than you would have won in winnings in that time. Yeah. Especially because some lottery tickets are like super jazzy, full bar, like pot power ball, double shot, jackpot week, fifty bucks. Uh, yeah, like it's not even like I want to spend a dollar on a lottery ticket and win. A hundred million. <laughs> the real problem with the lottery ticket, as soon as you buy it, you're convinced you're going to win. Like, yeah, as soon as you it's have it in your hope. hand, you're like, this is what I'm going to spend this money on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Every single week, my stepdad is like, so if we win this week, um, <laughs> you, each of the kids will get, like, five million. And then, like, no. We're not winning. No. Okay. So next week, we have our first two-parter of, six, of the second season. We'll be discussing episodes five and six of Rise of the Cybermen and the Age of Steel. So let us know your thoughts by emailing own at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. And yeah, check out the show notes for links and all the references discussed in this episode. And we will see you in two weeks. Two weeks' time? <laughs> what? Okay. Have a great fortnight, Jesus. <laughs> right, bye. bye. Sorry. <laughs> bye. Love you. <laughs>